0: This week's guest on Goohanna Aachtawhaean, Voices of 81, is Andrea Conley. Originally from Llanadoun in West Belfast, Andrea is a lifelong community activist and was part of the crucial network which maintained communication between the H-blocks, Armagh jail, and the outside world during the prison protests in the 70s and 80s. This work kept the world informed as to what was going on inside the jails and helped maintain morale for the prisoners on the inside as well as their families on the outside. So the way the prisoners were communicating uh, with the outside was through letters, wee chucks, small smuggled in letters. There was a, a network set up in the centre. It's a large network, and um, mostly women that would take visits up to the cash and, and so to Armagh jail. So say the morning of the visit, you'd go to the and you'd pick up a column. You would then bring that up to the jail. Obviously, you'd have to smuggle it in. You'd bring that up to the jail with you, have your visit, pass it on the visit, then take from the prisoner whatever communication column they want brought back out and then go back and leave it in the center. And so that that was how the communication was going. That would have been communication. And at different times, we would have taken up the wee radios, smuggled the wee radios in then also the camera, later states they wanted a camera and so camera had to be smuggled in. The columns, as you know, they're just little tiny bits of paper and mostly wrote on cigarette papers that were smuggled in. So they would you glue them all together and, and write their columns and their writing was minute and then just fold them and really, really strap them, stretch and seal, because if they were in your mouth or wherever they were, they weren't getting, you know, wet. And the radios kind of consisted of an old, you know, little tube of tablets, you wee brown bottle to you get your tablets in. That's what the radio was in. That was the size of that. And then they just kind of were searching for a very small, slim-line camera. And they got one that I would say was about maybe the size of two tubes of tablets together. So again, everything was covered in stretch and seal. And then that was reused. I mean, the blanket men were reusing long before it became fashionable, you know. So they saved all that stretch and seal and kept it for their comms. And like, nothing was wasted. Definitely a bit nerve-wracking when you were getting to be searched. But you sure then, you know, it happened. And we'd done it. And they got their cameras. And they got their radios. And communication was kept open. My friend, we're friends from we were in primary school. Ellie's her sister Sinead, was in our Armagh. And so we'd be, we'd be visiting on a family basis. And then, of course, then you just got in, involved with it all. Oh. You, you kind of just then went in and you, and you were prepared and you sat and you waited on your on the visit. And um, you kind of knew the other ones that were in the room, the, 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 the room you actually waited in before the visit was mixed. But you kind of knew everyone's face and you knew, well, they'd be taking stuff in. They know that I have something to take in. and um, And then you were called for your visit. And sometimes you went in and the prisoner was already there. Or sometimes you went in and you just sat waiting. And you just kind of, it was just a main game. You kind of had to take your chance. And then you were worried too that the prisoner was going to be caught and they were going to get battered on the way back. Sometimes it was at the start of the visit you got the opportunity. Sometimes it was in the middle. And sometimes it was at the very, you were waiting to the very end. You got up and give them a hug till you got doing it. So you went along with it and, and took your chance. Um, and the same then when you were going to the armad. The only thing was, you know, when you went to the armad, it was an open room, where in the case when you went in, you were in a cubicle, but it was the same thing. You waited and you waited and you took your chance. And thanks be to God, you know, more times we got through than than, than we didn't. It was a half an hour, it's such a short time, but it's a long time when you're trying to do something. And then you were very conscious that the, this prisoner has given up his family visit to do this. And so you we were kind of filling them in on the campaigns and what was going on outside. And, you know, you we were trying to make it worthwhile that when they went back apart from having the communication, they also had a bit of news or, and a bit of crack, you know, you tried to have a bit of crack with them too, of course. It was a massive um, organization of people. I mean, you had the people that was working in the center, the people doing the visits. And then you had the people in the jail that were organizing the visits so that Every day there was some type of communication. Well, obviously not Saturdays and Sundays. Some type of communication coming in or out. Um, I mostly went up with Maggie McCulloch and Teresa Miller. And we kind of, when I was going to the I would to the jail with Eilish. And um, there was days when we, when I personally would have done two visits in the morning. Bear in mind that the visits were only a half hour long at that stage. So you'd on a visit in the morning, came out, Back onto the bus, someone would give you whatever new stuff was going to a different block. Beck in had another visit, two visits in the morning and one in the afternoon. But it was necessary to get the communication going. It was scary at times, depending on what was going on. And like everything, you had to seize your opportunities and when to pass and when not to pass. It was frustrating at times, times you went in and you just were not getting the opportunity. And it was too important because you did not want them to get the communication um, you maybe had to come back out with it and leave it for another day. That was frustrating times like that and frustrating for the prisoner. It was just so important. There was no other means of communicating, only through the visits and through the comms. So it was absolutely vital because hardly we didn't know what was going on in the jail, if there was beatings had taken place, what they were thinking. And the same on the outside, hardly they didn't know. I mean, they did nothing, they would no radios, they would no papers, they weren't getting very many visits. So... It was really, really vital for everyone to kind of stay in the loop of what was going on. One, at one time, then I was up and went in for the visit. Many times you were going to see people you didn't know, but you were letting on. You knew them, obviously. And um, they took me around to a different part of the jail. And I was going like, oh, that's going on here. I've never been around here before. And uh, when I got round, the visit was closed. It was glass screen and and wire petition underneath it, and I was like, "Oh my God, whoever this is!" I wonder, did they come off the protest or something? But little did I know that the prisoner getting taken out, who I had never met before, had been caught bringing comms out. So when they caught him, they then grabbed me, and on that particular day, I had a radio, so I was then arrested and took to the bikes and charged. So yeah, then you just crazy days like that. The amount of stuff that was caught was minimal compared to what was pa- what was passed the only thing is then I was then barred from all the jails but um you know it didn't stop you it didn't stop us and as I say you know the, the network was really like it was massive you know and then there was people doing it in Derry there was people doing it in Lurgan there was people doing, you know they were all over it was a really really clever network that they set up and it worked so well it really did and as I say, then, when you were going to a protest, you were kind of going, I, I know them. You were kind of expecting certain people because you were associating them with what they were doing. I'm laughing because uh, I know this sounds weird to people, but the day that I was caught in I ended up in the bikes and I was just sitting kind of like, let on, I was heartbroken and was shouting at me, you'll never see Dixie Elliot again. That's over for you. I mean, And I go to myself, I was going, Oh my God, I'm going to bust out laughing. Little do you know that I wasn't no Dixie Alley. They was sitting beside me. And then going, well, oh, trying to look sad. Uh-huh. Shut up. Get me out of here. Where's And Hurry up. Get me out. Well, one time it was coming up to Christmas and we decided that we'd bring in drink. So we had Ailey Schneider said, we'll bring them in drink. So we put one measure in a balloon. You know, like, what, say one measure? It's a time in a balloon and tie it. So that was one balloon. And then the next one, we put vodka so they could make black Russians. So, of course, we were practicing in the house, because we didn't tell the centre we were doing this. Oh, my God, no way. Are you joking me? So um, when we filled the wee balloons and we went up and, and searching, Yelish and she's searching me and we we're going to. And then, of course, she needs friend, Maude, we got harder searches. Freaks are all done with search each other. And then she said, "No, what you should do, you should put loads of perfume on in case one of them balloons burst and you smell it. Oh, my sweet Jesus, of course. The two of us put the same perfume on. We were poisoned. But anyway, we got in Sinead's room. We are going, we've got balloons. And she was like, what? We've got balloons. for drinking them. God, we just started firing the balloons over at her. And she got them back. I always hate it. Because when you come out, in the case, when you were going, they kind of took the prisoner that way. And you were walking, you could just see them for a bit. But in our mind, when you come out, you could see them taking Sinead away. And we were like, oh, God, I hope she's okay. I hope she's okay. But um, she was she was grand. Yeah, there was times like that, and then there was one time one of the blanket men had said, "Put a wee drop, a wee tiny drop of toothpaste because my teeth are sore. A wee tiny drop of toothpaste in the stretching and so I can clean my teeth." So crucify him every time I see say, Oh, here's your teeth. You've a beautiful set of teeth. How have you got? Oh yeah, you had to do all that crazy part as well. Very hard to describe the prisoners because they were so. They were up for the crack 100%, but so dedicated and so disciplined in what they were about and knew what they wanted, knew what we needed, knew what we were all about and how to do it. And always coming up with wee ideas of things. And like one stage, the boys in the jail were playing chess. I don't know how they were doing but it was the buttons. When they used to, they had to put the uniforms on to go out on the visit, obviously. And they used to steal the, the buttons off the tops of the trousers. So that was the chess pieces, as far as I'm aware. Then they had a competition and Tracy Miller had gone out and bought trophies and of course we were living in Belfast and Paddy Agnew from Dundalk won and we had to drive to Dundalk with a trophy to leave it in his house with his mummy. I'm sure she was saying in the name of good God what is going on? But yeah there was times like that and then someone might say we're we looking um, the Eagles album you'd we'll we'll, we'll write all the words down Oh. Please, not too bad if you like the album they were looking, but if you weren't in date, you know, you'd have to sit and read all the amorgia in longhand, you hadn't got all the stuff you have nowadays. So, lots yeah, of good times. The prisoners were permanently writing to people, and there was a big letter campaign where. The prisoners were writing and then they were asking all their relatives and friends and everyone on the committees and, and in the committees to write, you know, they were writing to politicians in Ireland, they were writing to politicians all around the world, they were writing to the Pope, they were writing to movie stars, then the campaign outside, they were putting posters everywhere, they were hoping protests, they were, I mean, they were just doing everything and anything to help to bring it to a just end and um, everyone was busy but everyone was willing you know, everyone was just willing there to be a name to it. It was international. I mean, you know, as we all know to this day, the hunger strikers are worth knowing. And at the start, the committees were small enough, maybe, you know, 68 people who regularly went to the meetings and come the RIC meetings and the, and the H Black and armagh committees. And then you could just see the numbers multiplying and getting bigger and the interest was growing. And, and of course, this made you more hopeful. And then it was very frustrating for you know, the prisoners in England and for the prisoners in, in Limerick, for the prisoners in Portlaoise, you know, they were so frustrated for their comrades in the Blocks and in Armagh. And so, you know, frustration everywhere. And again, they were involved in all the campaigns when they protested, they they want part of the latter campaigns as well. So, yeah, you just really waited on anything to bring an end about. And everyone felt the same, you know, all the communities came together, Obviously, the prisoners' relatives, but then you had people who had no one in prison, like myself, who just, you know, it was an injustice and it had to be dealt with. So it was a very, very emotional time, but it definitely mobilised Ireland. And then sometimes, along with maybe the communication for the centre, they would have given you other wee comms for families. So then when you came out, you were like a postman. You were maybe going over to the Strand to Betty Smith's to deliver a letter. or You were going up to Mr. and Mrs. Livingstone to deliver a Or you were here, there, and everywhere. And people were so grateful to get the wee letter, you know. Just it meant so much to them. I suppose they were saying, maybe, you know, I, I won't have a visit this month, but I'll send you a wee letter. So it was important, it was always important to deliver as soon as you, you come out to go and do your wee deliveries. Of course, the center was the first port of call. And then you went round and give and give any wee personal ones that you had. And it was nice, it was a lovely thing to do. And I always remember Elish and I were up and we were going to visit Martin Livingstone and um, we had asked what had happened, what was the latest on Julie, and we were told that she had kind of picked up a bit. And we went on the visit and, and done whatever we were doing. And we said, look, she's picked up a bet. They had heard that she'd been shot, whatever. And then when we came home, we went to the center and we got Lena down but out of the taxi and someone told us that she had died. Oh my God, that was horrendous. And also after telling him that she had picked up, you know, when I was thinking about him and how he felt and how Pat felt and, oh, that, that sticks in my mind that that happened. And then again, you know, you build up relationships with the families because then you become the postman. So many families you love to call with a letter because they were, you know, they were all biz and full of crack and making you tea and toast. And, and what was it like? And what did he look like? And how was she the day? And what was she like? You know, That thinks is very thin and, you, you know, just eager for any wee scrap of information that, you know, that was going on. And then, of course, all the the jail romances that were going on and letters getting passed. I mean, that was all crack. That was all helping your heart, you know. Another time, uh, Teresa and Maggie and myself went up and we had a visit with Tom McElwee. And um, he's the only hunger striker that we visited. It was a great visit. And at that time, he was engaged to a girl in our Man. So apart from the comms, of course, we were getting letters that was the Kentucky Arma. That's another thing. Not only were you taking them in and out of the jail and then, then over the families, you were then taking them from one jail to the other jail. And that, you know, that was good crack, the, the the visit with Tom. And he was such a, oh my God, such a beautiful person. And then one of the days we were sent for him, we went down, Tom Hartley was there and he said, We something for you. And um, he you gave us a wee calm, and it was a wee calm from Bobby Sands, and he says in it, I'm 33 days on hunger strike. That was beautiful to get that and then we got another one from Tom McElwee and he says in his we letter that um I'm 18 days on hunger strike there are things to treasure you know treasure forever history there was a lot of prisoners that didn't take any visits just refused to take visits they started taking visits as well to help out because they just needed the information in and out and in and out it must have been hard for them to come out you know going out and and sit with this girl and uh, you know pass this it must have been terrible for them too but I never ever had a bad visit because you always find something to talk about and particularly at that time there was loads to talk about what was going on in the campaign and all that and then a wee bit of crack in between and and a half an hour like the blink of an eye you know um no I can honestly say I never I never ever had a bad visit I never seen anyone in bad form even you know In Irma, when you're sitting and you could see all the other prisoners coming and sitting and taking their visits, the guards were always, I have to say, just all dedicated and knew what they were about and confident in what they were doing and, you know, never let them get them down. And then again, they were always getting one over on them. So, you know, that's always a good thing. And just really then, I suppose, the relationships that grew from people on the bus, even like there was very few people drove to the case. They all seemed to get on the bus you know, then you kind of built up wee relationships with the people on the bus and you got to know different people's families and and them relationships stayed. If I go up home and I meet them, you know, you start and you have a yarn and we talk about things that we done that were crazy. And, you know, and then if, sometimes I look and I see how many of our people ended up, well, in politics for one, but then in community work are involved in their community. And I do believe that that all came back that all came from from the jail and the jail visits and and what we were all about and 100 percent, i believe that is the revival of the irish language if you think back to the late 70s there wasn't that many irish speakers look at the school look at the bon calls and i do believe that that's a direct link to to the jail as well you were running to the jails for the communications and then you were running at night i mean in lena that's where i'm from uh, Mr. McCarter would, would have done the rosary every night half six at, at the shops. So you're running, and you've done your rosary and then you run the protest and then you get up in the morning and you start it with the jails again. And that was and that was everyone. Everyone was was at the same stuff. You know that 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 was your your life at them times. You were either protesting, writing letters, going on visits, and that and that's just how it was. And remember older people talking about when Tom Williams died and. You know how they all went to the jail and knelt and prayed and you know and going to history repeating and repeating. I mean, all the sadness we had, there was good. It was there was good fun, good sport. Well, I mean, you had to be a wee bit nuts to do it in the first place, really. You know, but what else could you do? A good nuts. You know the communication. That, you know, in in the serious picture of of what was going on, it was fit. It was the only communication, apart from visits, maybe verbally saying things. And then, you know, sometimes when you verbally say something and somebody adds a wee bit on and then by the time the person that's to hear it hears it, you know, there's a yard and a half added on to it. So really the comms were vital because it was in paper and it was in black and white and they got making their exact points. So other than that, there was, there was no other communication. That, that, that was their sole communication. And so on the serious end of it, there was very important. And on the personal end, it was very important. It was very important for somebody's, you know, parents and their siblings and, you know, their friends just to get a wee, you know, a, a couple of lines to say, no, I'm all right, you know, and, and then to say, you know, keep encouraging us, keep protesting, keep doing all that our are doing. you know, something's going to come up. But of course it was vital. Were we afraid? Other times we were. And, you know, something more afraid that we wouldn't succeed because we knew the importance of it. When we all got on the bus to go to the jails, they didn't close the centre. The centre stayed open and they waited and they waited. You know, I have to say, like, Marie Moore and Tom Hartley and Janisauce, you know, they waited on every person coming off that bus, checking that you were OK, checking that, you know, that the comms were passed and that you've something back for them. And the dedication was a second to none, absolutely. They were there morning, noon and night. It was really, it was brilliant times. It was sad times, but it was such a worthy thing to be doing. And as I say, it was like, you know, a really big network of people. It wasn't just us. You know, if I think of an area in Belfast, I think of who, who was doing it at that time. You know, you associate the areas with different women. I remember one time going to the centre and someone had forgotten. They were so strict about everything because they hated us and they hated letting them in because they knew that you were doing it and that this was how the communications were getting um, passed. And um, someone had forgot their ID. There would be no way they would be allowed that visit. And uh, Mr. Sands was there, God help me. And he was running the person back to get their ID, to get them back onto the bus. You know, it was just, as I say, it was brilliant things and sad things.